Hello, this is Robert Carl, reporting for Religion Unplugged from Eldorat in Kenya. And today I am with um, Bishop Gideon Mudenyo. He uh, is a Pentecostal pastor, and he has also recently become a bishop who oversees 56 churches in five countries. Pentecostalism erupted um, onto the Christian religious scene at the turn of the last century when African-American revivalist W.J. Seymour initiated the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles. Seymour's message of speaking in tongues, miraculous healings, and prophetic utterances, and charismatic worship proved to be a powerful new brand of Christianity for a troubled new century. Pentecostalism spread rapidly throughout the world and is now the dominant brand of Protestant Christianity in Africa and South America. By 1910, the Azusa Street Revival had arrived in Africa, where it spread like wildfire. Pentecostalism has helped make African Christianity the world's most dynamic center of global Christianity. But Pentecostalism has also generated controversies and scandals. In 2014, in the wake of a fake miracle spree, the government of Kenya tried to sharply curtail the freedom of fake pastors to operate. There was a big backlash from Kenyan religious leaders and that was quite fierce. I'm going to ask Bishop Modenio, just tell us about the 2014 legislation. What was it? Why was it such a threat? It was the time that the government was contravening the constitution of the land whereby it has been a tradition that Kenya is a secular state. It has no denomination, it has no religion, and we have had three main religions in Kenya, if not four, and this Christianity, which is the majority, we have had Islam, we have had Hinduism, and maybe traditionalists. And this time around, we felt like Kenya, the government is overstepping its mandate, going to regulate church in a way that uh, they felt fit. And uh, this reminded us to the past abuse by the European nations where they had the state religions. Mm-hmm. And um, we feel like the government doesn't understand much about the church and they were going to regulate us in a bad way. To start with, they were going to require all pastors to have some form of qualifications. And the first one was to have like a, a degree in accredited theological institutions. Having this qualification is not a bad idea. But the challenge was, which institutions were you going for? Which is the right institution to train theologians? That was going to become a big problem, given that most pastors have had some kind of training from foreign countries. And the reason for this is because education is expensive in Kenya. Maybe we will need to pay like 2,000 US dollars for one academic year in a a normal university. How many pastors in the villages are going to 
afford raising this amount. But we believe that um, some Americans, some missionaries from Europe and other countries had tailored these courses to train the pastors. That means all these pastors trained by these missionaries from outside were going to be locked out. And um, we felt like the movement which was going to be affected more was the Pentecostal movement <laughs> and mostly evangelicals. With the mainland churches, good enough, they have good structures. But the evangelicals really have a challenge in this. Secondly, they are going to require us to have proper coded buildings. And uh, most of churches are really poor. The offerings may be $10 or less than $10 on a Sunday. How many years will you require to collect $10 every week to put up a decent building? And I noticed that your church meets in a tent. Exactly. You don't have a building. You don't have a building. So you would, this would be illegal <coughs> exactly. under this legislation. Exactly. That is going to be a great challenge with most of us. And who are, who are these people going to vet the pastors? Because they said all the pastors must face the panel to be vetted and be approved to be the people of sound mm -hmm. theology, sound, uh, sound doctrine, uh, be cleared by anti-corruption uh, commission, be people who are paying taxes and uh, so forth. The question was here, who was going to vet them? We have diversity of doctrines. We don't subscribe to the same doctrine, even though we are all Christians. What if the panelists will not favor your doctrine? It was going to be a challenge. And uh, we didn't refuse these guidelines by the government, but we felt they didn't do enough consultation we felt like they didn't involve us into coming up with these ideas. And remembering that for a long time, the Kenyan church has strongly petitioned the government to form a religious commission that will be in charge of registering churches and uh, dealing with the matters of churches and any other religion because as currently as it is Kenyan churches or religions are registered under the Societies Act and we feel like the Societies Act is too wide, it can't take care of the religion and unless the government comes to help us in doing this I think we are still not yet right, they are not on the right Truck. That's why the church mobilized quickly. We went to court to try to stop the government from implementing these issues. And lucky enough, the government withdrew. Nevertheless, they stopped registering the new churches. And from 2014 up to now, they stopped registering any uh, religious uh, organizations. And we feel like this is not right because like um, they are going against our rights because the constitution itself mentions that we have the freedom to worship why do you need registration 
Why does the church need registration? Because in the nation, people cannot meet illegally. An, an, an assembly must be well organized. And uh, if the government doesn't register us and we are meeting for a kind of worship, they can easily come and um, arrest people uh, citing the illegal assembly. So people are not free to just assemble? No. In Kenya? You cannot just assemble because huh. of their cause. <clears throat> Some of the concerns of the government, though, you share, right? I mean, you, you do think there are fake pastors. There are pastors that are um, telling you to send them money so that they can do miracles. Well, there has been a big, big problem. What I would call Pentecostal charismatic movement for a long time, a long time. And all this comes because of what I believe is the hunger that people have gone through. Because to a hungry man, even what is bitter will always taste sweet. Mm -hmm. And people have been so much troubled and have been too hungry to get something good. One of the responses, I think that what, from what I understand, Pentecostals in Kenya have responded by saying, we will police ourselves. Yes. Government should not police us. We will police ourselves. And that's, is that one reason that uh, you, you started this structure of elders and bishop? Well, we are looking at our history. And uh, this history is helping us to work now. Mm -hmm. And from this history and what we are doing today, for the future and uh, unless we have good vision for the future and involve others for the future and uh, the biggest challenge that we have had in uh, Pentecostal charismatic movement and what we are looking at is can we build around the vision not around the personality can we build something that people see after now can people see the ministry? Yeah. Will they still go on with the vision? Mm -hmm. Or will they uh, stop there? And there are 56 churches in this that you oversee. And it's called Blessed International Fellowship. Blessed International Fellowship. Yes. Yes. Uh, and how old is Blessed? Yeah, the Blessed was um, started in uh, 2009. Okay, so even before the government problems. Exactly. Yeah, and have you, when did you, did you have a bishop from the beginning? No. We, we just came in a mutual agreement as pastors. And uh, when it began growing, it was necessary that we begin forming these structures. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the purposes of oversight yeah. is to make sure that the pastors are accountable. Um, and I'm sure you, you, we've talked about dis what kind of disciplinary problems have you had, have wow. you encountered? Yeah, this seems to be the general uh, problems, not just in our ministry, but in many ministries that we 
we've either served before or the ones we've related and others and we realize accountability is a big issue and when you say accountability is a seems to be a general word but uh, we have the accountability in terms of um, money mm-hmm. uh, because we realize that uh, many pastors are not really good administrators to steward the money mm-hmm. and uh, the people we are serving most of them have not been to good education yeah uh especially in the villages you find someone who is not well educated and doesn't know the issues of uh, management budgeting and all that and sometime in the process they keep losing money mm-hmm. uh, some of them will genuinely lose because they don't have accountability but some of them also will be led by the greed mm-hmm. that uh, they will misappropriate the yeah. ministry money another general challenge with the ministers has been the issue of women mm-hmm. when they have been accused of immorality going with um, uh, other people's wives or mm-hmm. girls and uh, we thought we need to bring up good pastors mm-hmm. who are who are morally right who follow the the scriptural ethics pastoral ethics and uh, they are willing to be a role model to many other people because i realized i was raised in the church my parents were strict pastors and uh, they invited so many other speakers in our church back at home mm-hmm. and whenever we saw any pastor coming in we always wanted to be like that pastor when you are a young pastor yeah. you are looking towards this preachers like oh they'll become my role model and when you hear about these scandals and you've always followed this person is like it breaks your heart yes and sometimes people lose salvation people mm-hmm. lose uh that passion for goals like oh if the pastor did this i think i have been following the right the wrong person all along yes but you've you've had to remove some pastors right exactly yeah that, that that's a, the biggest change that i don't i don't like yeah yeah uh, i don't yeah. like to face to, to to start to be the one in the decision i mean in the, the panel saying uh based on these facts and these and these yep. we ask you to step down and maybe pursue other other things yeah. but not pastoral in this ministry and you know we have had people accused of issues <laughs> these challenges are addictive but they cannot even just talk mm-hmm. and uh, our, our our problem is that we can't let you keep serving with these challenges mm-hmm. so we ask you to step down mm-hmm. so that um, other person takes over and be able to guide the church what if he refuses he can say no i'm not going to step down i'm going to leave we and take my whole church with me uh is it it happens that's happened before where people want to take the churches but um Remember we have the school of ministry that we are training our pastors. We have the school of ministry that we are training mm-hmm. our pastors. Yeah. And uh, in most cases our elders see there is no way to ask you step down. Yeah. But uh, in in an event that the elders within that church have sat with their pastor and like we are not removing this pastor mm-hmm. then the uh, and uh, in that unfortunate incident 
we only withdraw our credentials we've given yeah. you. Uh, mm -hmm. We withdraw them so that we declare publicly you are not part of us. We declare that church is not part of us. So you will be free to start your own thing, mm -hmm. but not under us. Yeah. yeah. Has that ever happened? It has happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, Pentecostalism, um, I think we have some maybe prejudices against Pentecostalism. Yes. I mean, Americans do. Yeah. They, will, they, they will think that the church is all about miracles and exorcisms. Yeah. I visited some Pentecostal churches here, and yeah. they don't seem different from other evangelical churches. I mean, you except you have excellent dancing and excellent music, yeah. but the message, the there's there's not a big emphasis yeah. on miracles or exorcisms. Now, of course, mm. we are you believe you might believe in miracles and exorcisms, but that's not the emphasis in the church. Yeah, right. I, I believe in miracles. I believe God does extremely. Mm -hmm. great things but the, the biggest thing we emphasize on the will of God what, does, what is God doing what does God want to do you just won't force God to do things because you want it you ask God to do his will mm -hmm. and our emphasis in our churches and our ministries is the word of God, mm -hmm. we will find the will of God through His Word. It's like, uh, God, what do you want for the nation of Kenya? And uh, we will pray according to His will, remembering the prayer model of Jesus. Mm -hmm. He prayed that His will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. The miracles has been a big issue to an extent where people have been fed miracles until when you don't do miracles like you are not an anointed preacher and because of that pressure pastors want to force miracles that people may, mm -hmm. may affirm them as the servants of God. Yeah. But again, we are coming from the background of the nation which is not highly exposed. We are serving the people who are not well educated. Mm -hmm. Like um, the literacy in the country is just recently that it started going up. But for many years, we've been serving the people who not gone beyond grade eight. Mm -hmm. Others have never even stepped to school. The language they understand better is not even the word. It seems like um, you have to come to their level and sometimes they respond well by seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. And you know, this kind of people could read the Bible without an interpretation. Mm -hmm. Just take it, take it as it was. So, the, and the pastors who led them also never went beyond like uh, mm -hmm. uh, grade eight. And those who are highly educated, maybe is uh, some high school, not even if mm -hmm. it's the high school. So these people have deficiency in terms of interpret interpreting the word. And I believe the only thing that gave them confidence
to know that now we are the people of God is um, emphasizing on the miracles. Yeah. Yeah, but now the nation is changing. People are going to school. Yes, so you have uh, you have 56 uh, churches, and they. what are the sizes of the churches? Like... Uh, yeah, it, it depends. It depends. We don't have mega churches yet. Maybe the biggest church that we have may have a membership of 400. Mm -hmm. And um, the smallest church you may have maybe may have us, uh, uh, an average size of 50 people. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's different uh, sizes. Like um, our Ethiopian church, uh, we have five churches in Ethiopia, mm -hmm. and an average size of Ethiopian churches is about 500 people. Yeah. Uh, we have churches in Malawi. The, the average size of the Malawian churches are about 50 mm -hmm. people. Uh, most churches in Kenya will range between uh, maybe 50 to about 250 mm -hmm. or 300 people. And many pastors have to work, right? Because they, uh, if you have a small church, you, they cannot support a yeah. pastor. Actually, most of our pastors yeah, get these good challenges. And true that um, our country has not done well. Life is getting more expensive every day. Yeah. Inflation is so bad in the country. Some, some months... Inflation has gone up to about 17% just in a month. That has made it very hard for budgeting in the nation. Yeah. That if you're budgeting for something that you are, you are due after six months, then uh, that budget is destroyed. It can't work. Mm -hmm. And because of these challenges of life, some people have found themselves manipulating others in forms like, bring this and I'll do this, like you give this seed offering and God will do this and mm -hmm. that. They do manipulation because they become like that's the only way of survival. Like enough in our ministry, we are encouraging our pastors. Rather than manipulate people, look for something extra that you can do to create an extra income. Yeah. Look for like um, go lease the land, plant the crops there like vegetables, sell the vegetables. So at least uh, you have some kind of income to help you move forward. Some areas are very hard because the easiest work that they can do, given the level of dedication, is farming. But some areas don't do well with farming. But we tell them at least look for something that you can do. So this would be the pastor would have an outside job. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and uh, myself... With my wife, I want to lead by an example. I want to lead by an example by asking God to at least provide my needs, mm -hmm. so that I'm not, I'm not more like begging uh, to be helped. I'm not like more like um, manipulating people to to move on. But I want to have something that I can do with my wife, raise some income, and tell the the people in the ministry, look. You're not paying me. I'm not receiving anything from the ministry, but I'm giving more into the ministry. And as a result, a few years ago, with my wife, we began the, the sewing business, whereby we bought a few machines. We bought like uh, six machines. 
but the help of other people, after buying these uh, machines, we began doing the school uniforms. So that we we saw the school uniforms, and we we supply to the schools when they pay us. Um, if it's more than enough, is if it's more than what we need, we also give back to the orphanage and uh, support the widows mm -hmm. through the same business. Yes. It hasn't done that that well, but at least is a way that will help us and give an example to many people who want to follow us in the future. And your wife is a pastor also, right? Yeah, she helps a lot with the pastoral ministry. Yes. Yeah, especially like, um, she has a good passion towards the women. And uh, she'll be like, uh, every uh, gathering women, training the women, and helping them know that they can use their hands mm -hmm. to serve God by also creating some extra income mm -hmm. because uh, when you have a small income, it gives some kind of independence mm -hmm. and freedom to serve God better. Yes. Well, thank you, Gideon. This is a, a fascinating, a fascinating development in African Pentecostalism. I mean, the, it's it's interesting because African Pentecostalism really began yeah. as a movement against structure, against administration. I think exactly. the first African Pentecostals were in the Anglican Church. Yes. And they left the Anglican Church. Yes. They, they thought it stifled the spirit. But now you guys are actually developing structures that look like yeah. a pretty main mainline structures yeah. actually, of accountability. Actually, on the same, when I went to Bible school several years ago, my pastor opposed me. And he thought like, uh, yeah, you're not following the Holy Spirit yep. to preach. You just can preach without, without uh, going to school. And I was like, it's not about just preaching. You have to organize people and you need some kind of training to know how to handle people. Now, several years later, our generation is being exposed. They are good schools. Even that good that you're speaking, they want to understand. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm appreciating God that at least I went to the Bible school. Had I not gone to the Bible school, I don't know how to handle this generation. And like enough, my pastor is also still pastoring, but he's wondering why he's losing this young generation. Mm -hmm. And only remaining the few old people mm -hmm. uh, who have not gone to school. And the answer is easy. Number one, you don't know how to organize because you have no kind of training. Yes. So preaching is not only about ministry. This is mm -hmm. beyond preaching. It's about organizing people. And if we want to see the people after us, we have no option. We have to get the training. We have to know how to manage people. Mm -hmm. We have to know how to manage resources. And we have to develop some kind of structures to move us forward. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for uh, for spending time with us. Thank at you. Religion Unplugged. Thank you. The Religion Unplugged podcast is a production of religionunplugged.com and is part of the Media Project, a nonprofit dedicated to equipping journalists to cover religion. To read our award-winning global religion news coverage or to find out more about Religion Unplugged or the Media Project, visit religionunplugged.com or follow us on Twitter at religion mag.